Hello, everyone. My name is Atal Osama, and I am so excited to welcome you to the inaugural episode of the Fourth Branch Podcast. I launched this podcast because I strongly believe that the free exchange of ideas is what makes us who we are. I also believe that that very concept, uh, the free exchange of ideas, is under terrible assault. On our episodes, you're going to hear a wide range of topics and issues. We'll be welcoming voices, ideas, thoughts, and opinions from across the spectrum. If you're wondering what my expertise is or what my agenda might be, let me save you some research. I have no agenda or platform, and I am certainly no expert. In fact, this show will not feature the usual talking heads that you may be used to. There are plenty of other outlets if that's what you're looking for. Instead, you're going to be hearing from regular, everyday people, just like you and me. I'm privileged to be working with someone that I've known for over 30 years. Brian Henderson and I have no goal other than we want to provoke and invite discourse. And if you're like us, and you're tired of getting beat over the head with structured, partisan talking points on an endless loop, I hope you can find a home here. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing censorship. And we want to try to unpack what is it about censorship that some find appealing, while others strongly oppose. As much as Brian and I enjoy sharing our conversations with you, we'd much rather have you be a part of them. If you have a topic you're passionate about and you'd like to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on anytime. Again, welcome to the Fourth Branch Podcast. Real topics, real people. Welcome to the conversation. All right, hello. Welcome to the Fourth Branch Podcast. My name is Atal Osama. I am here with my good friend. I'm, I'm Brian Henderson. And we are just here to have a discussion uh, about uh, everyday topics. I want to talk to everyday people. Looking forward to having uh, future conversations with you. So, Brian, we uh, we talked earlier, man, and uh, censorship. What, what are your thoughts on the idea of um, preventing uh, certain thoughts, speeches, gestures, comments from entering into public discourse at all. Uh, I, I saw a, a very interesting uh, discussion uh, about this on one of my uh, YouTube rabbit holes, and I, I thought it might be uh, something interesting for us to discuss. So what, what, what are your initial thoughts about that idea? I think that that, of course, is a, a huge topic of the day. Um, yeah. And it has its roots, the, the need for open communication uh, between human beings is, you know, known for thousands of years. I mean, communication is what changes uh, relationships between people. Uh, on a on a national note, I think it was written into um, the quote unquote foundation of the country for a very good reason that we should have freedom of speech and yeah, that does include people that are saying things that we don't agree with. Hmm. Yeah, so I to to play uh, devil's advocate. Uh, the, the debate that it was the, the, uh, I don't want to butcher the name. I believe it was the, the constant, the, the national 
Constitution Center, I believe it's the name of the organization. I apologize if I don't have that right. Um, and this debate was done in about 2017. And um, um, to play devil's advocate to your point, um, free speech absent societal equality is not free speech. So the, the argument that was being made was, uh, if there is so, if there is a significant disparity among social standing and you are a member of the disparaged group or disparaged class, then speech harms you in ways that it will not harm the majority group. This was basically the argument that, that the one side was trying to make. And as because that is the case, and because we have the 14th Amendment, um, we have a responsibility to foster and support that equality in our society by disallowing the majority group from using uh, language as a weapon to continue to marginalize the uh, disenfranchised group. Um, so that, that was the, the, the basic argument that he was, he was trying to make. And, and I, I found that compelling. Um, ultimately, I don't agree with him, but I, I, I did find that compelling. What does that sway you at all? Do you think that there's merit to, to, to that viewpoint? I think, um, there's definitely some merit to that and it go, it ties into what I remember as, you know, it, it was quoted as corporations, the, the, the vote that gave corporations the status of people so that of a being a person so that they could exercise their, uh, quote unquote free speech with their money and whatever else they wanted to back. Um, what was that court case? Freedom United. I want to say it was Freedom United. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I don't. I don't remember the name of it. I, I remember thinking I understood the impact, and in, in so saying, I think that impact is right along the the argument that you just spoke about. In that, if I have free speech as myself, one person, and a multinational corporation has free speech as a person and it wants its viewpoint to be heard by millions, its viewpoint will be heard by millions where I don't have that uh, ability. I don't have the, the money to make that happen. So it is a factor that cannot be ignored when you think of the fundamentals of how public opinion is shaped. Uh, many people watch yeah. commercials, the news, um, and look at TikTok and, you know, to, to go the opposite way. But even if the multinational, they can get into TikTok, they can get into uh, social media. Uh, so it, it, it plays a part for sure in how that should be governed or, or I shouldn't say governed, how, how you have to just take a look at it, the whole idea of, uh, censorship because if you can also get your idea out there to millions you can also get those millions believing what you say and stopping them 
from and you can stop them from being able to hear what others have to say, which gets back more to the censorship aspect. Yeah, the 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 other side of the argument in that debate was that the solution to bad speech is not censorship. The solution to bad speech is better speech. And if you disagree with a viewpoint that is being made, the last thing that you want is to have your ability to speak taken away. And um, while the, the, the gentleman that was arguing for, and, and, and to be clear, the censorship that he was arguing for was very specific. Uh, he, he was arguing for um, a kind of cens- a censorship against a specific kind of speech uh, that is uh, designed to malign a vulnerable group. And, and, and it's, it's a noble concept. I understand what it is that he is trying to do. And, and, and one of the examples that he gave, uh, that if you take uh, two white males and you say to the first white, you say to the first one, um, we don't think heterosexual white males should be school teachers. Societally, that is not likely to have much impact. But if you say we don't think homosexual white males should be school teachers because there is an existing stigma against white males, the statement now has the potential to have real life damaging effects to this white male simply because he happens to be a homosexual. And his argument was that that because he is assigned uh, membership to a class and societally the class is maligned, speech has the potential to harm him in ways that would not harm others. But but I agree with the with the other person. The solution to that is is better speech. It's not to to disallow someone to express an opinion, even if the opinion is wrong or bigoted. Or, or, or even if it's malicious, I, I just don't like the idea of not allowing people to talk. I, I definitely like the better speech part um, uh, approach, meaning it's kind of the old fashioned way. It's like, I don't have to say what discourse or what the triggering topic was, but a lot of discourse was shut down over the past few years um, on some things that were very, very important. And yeah. we, are, we see some of the very negative things that have come from that. I won't not go into that. We'll stay on topic. I'll stay on topic. I'll make it my my. I think it's key. The first part of what you said, um, and I don't, I don't want to misquote you, but it was something like, if, "If we and we all say, it, you know, if I understand, I think I understand what the intention was, right?" Um, yeah. That is where we've reached a point, I feel, in, in our country and in this world, where it's now a trust issue. And I think it was a trust issue hundreds of years ago when uh, certain rules were set up that you will not silence the people uh, under any right. circumstances. Because right now, I think we've, the trust is, is, is broken. It's 
It's been set on fire and stomped out in the bottom of a big trash bin. And if we lived in a world where the people who were in charge actually held the wants and the needs, or I should say the same priorities as the people, say uh, a crazy thing called a representative government, you know, if we had that, then I would say to those people who hold the same values and priorities as the people. Now, everyone doesn't have to agree. That's not how that works. Right. But the, the vast majority of the people say, look, we don't want X. So the people who decide what should be said, like, you know, something where everybody could have common ground, like you should not have uh, overt, horrible violence against children. You know, uh, you shouldn't have a channel sure. for that. There's no place for that in our, our lives. We should empower them to, to enforce that and say none of that. None of that. But the trust is gone. So it's kind of like we don't want to give them any. If they say that we want to protect these two white men or uh, white homosexual men, and we say that there's going to be a different reaction for each, well, there's reasons for that that are real. And we don't want them deciding anything. We don't want our government to decide which one of those groups can say whatever they want to say. As a person who sits side, right. where I sit and some action is taking place miles and miles away from me, and I don't know what's going on, and then I, then I, say, I hear one version of what happened, I want to hear the other version of what happened also. So uh, that was, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was it though. Yeah, I, I I think one of the bigger tests that I, I think we failed, actually, uh, one of the bigger tests of how true we are to our American principles is when there is unpopular speech. In recent memory, Donald Trump uh, championed some things that were wildly popular with one segment uh, of the society and then wildly unpopular with another. And I thought the decision to attempt to censor him uh, was sad. Uh, I, 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 that was absolutely the wrong reaction to take. Um, when I was, uh, when I was active duty and talking to refugees from Iraq or Afghanistan. It never surprised me that there was some heretic from their part of the world railing against the United States and talking about death to America. That part never surprised me. What surprised me was that it resonated We'll cut that out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Smells great. Uh, right. What What surprised me was that it resonated. It, what surprised me was that the, that kind of rhetoric found an audience and there was no rebuttal to that viewpoint. And, um, you know, I think, I think. Donald Trump or, or anybody else should be free to say whatever they believe 
they want to say. Even if it's malicious, even if he knows he's lying and he's intending on misleading people, that should not uh, take away from his right to speak. Because I also have a right to speak and I can use that right to speak to point out that is a lie. That's false. And give people a choice and trust that society is smart enough to be able to make the choice free of direction and influence and, and input. And, um, I, and I, I, I'm sure they were well intended, but I think actions like that only feed that kind of viewpoint that Donald Trump was championing, that there's a swamp, that there's a, a hidden agenda that wants to silence you. And, and the, I, I just didn't understand that choice and that decision. And I, you know, you and I have this channel. If if we say something, or if, if I say something that is uh, someone disagrees with, well, then let me know that you disagree with, but don't take away my my ability to to, to speak. That that just and and it seems like there's so much, uh, which is why I wanted to talk about this. It seems like there is so much momentum now. We're like less democratic. Everybody has to talk the same. Everybody has to think the same. Everybody has to see things the same way. And if you don't, you are a xenophobe or a racist or uh, uh, you're assigned some some vicious label just because you have an opinion. That doesn't seem very American to me. And it it really, really concerns me to see that we seem to be moving in that direction. Uh, I agree 100 percent with that. The momentum, I believe, and this is again back to why, uh, I hold the position at this point that we cannot allow the government to, or, or the government through non-governmental organizations or any other means, uh, deputizing private organizations, we cannot allow them to censor anyone, um, at this point because they've proven uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, not only is it negative for the people, but that their intentions are not always what it seems. And, and it goes back to the whole good intentions idea. It's, it's a great way, if you think about it, if there are two sides in a room that you're talking to and you know that they don't agree with each other at all, at all. They right. are emotionally disagreeing with each other, even which you know that's impossible. Right, right, anyway. right. <laughs> you can't just throw a fact out there and they go, oh, they both say, hey, we should hug. No. If you have those two right, groups, right. <laughs> but you want them both to do what you want them to do or to say yes to something you, they would never say yes to rationally, then you have to appeal right. to them emotionally. You say to, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll use the group names at random because everyone can identify which groups I'm talking about. Uh, you take Black Lives Matter. Again, no discussion of who they are, where they started, what the, just what they stand for on their okay. surface. Okay. Um, okay. And you okay. tell them we should, we should quiet that Donald Trump guy down. We should shut him down at every level. And these corporations should help us do it. They should stand by us because it's the right thing to do. Well, then 
the Black Lives Matter people are extremely happy. Hey, we've got a little victory. We've won. This is fantastic. But now, to, to use a very over, overly used phrase, or quote, Pandora's box is now open because what's going to happen next is there's going to be an issue that the Black Lives Matter movement is talking about. And all of the right wingers or all of the, 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 and the, how, how do we say it? The, uh, what's a good group? Okay. I'll just, I'll just throw the first thing that came to my mind. All the proud boys will, uh, will totally disagree with what the Black Lives Matter group just said. And now they can lobby to have Black Lives Matter shut down. Use the right. corporations to do it. Use the, and good now. Both camps can say victory for free speech. And how ironic. Because now both of them no longer have free speech. None of them now, you know, neither of them now can say much of anything because now the arbiter is the controller of speech because you've given them permission to do it. Right. When you were angry right. at the other person's view, you thought it was okay just for someone to gag them. But then when that gag comes back to you, it doesn't feel so good. And I think a lot of that is, that's been a lot of the uh, momentum building. They played groups against each other. And no, I'm not going to go into who the they is. <laughs> I'll just right. say that what's right. happening seems obvious. It seems that there's a, an effort to well, to put it bluntly, to slowly and steadily erode our ability to speak for ourselves. Yeah, it's 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 highly ironic to me uh, that we live in a society that purports to champion free speech and free ideals and individualism, but in the very same breath, there are segments of our society that want to program you. This is what an American looks like. This is what an American thinks. This is what an American says. This is how an American feels. And that that sounds like North Korea to me, right? Yeah. That that sounds like communist China to me. And and, and this is not recent. Um I remember the very first time I got an inkling of this kind of feeling um, was with uh, Trent Lott. Trent Lott was uh, the uh, Senate Majority Leader in the late 90s. And he, now this is pre-internet, okay? He was attending the birthday party of Strom Thurmond. And Strom Thurmond, at this point, 96 years old, uh, lifelong segregationist who at this point was just on the wrong side of history. And at this birthday party, Trent Lott is struggling to find something nice to say to this dying old man at his 96th birthday party. So he, he has some platitudes and some nice things and, you know, you were a great leader and he said something to the effect of, you know, it's it's a shame that we don't have you speaking for us anymore or, or, or something along those lines. And a recording of that was made and a recording of that was released. 
Now, this was not something he said on the Senate, on the Senate floor. This was not a, a policy position that he was calling for. He was at an old man's birthday party trying to find something nice to say to, to this old person who, as it turned out, held a wrong position for decades. And, and that recording was used to strip this man of his position mm-hmm. under the guise that he was a racist. Now, whether or not he personally believed in Strom Thurmond is, was never asked. I, I, I don't know if that's the case. But even if it was, why isn't he allowed his right to that thought? Why, why is he not allowed that? He's not proposing it as a matter of policy. He's not calling for, he hasn't, he hasn't, his voting record didn't reflect that he was uh, a, a segregationist. That's what he thought personally. Whether, whether, whether it was platitude or not, why wasn't he allowed his thought? And I have seen examples like that played out over and over and over again. And the left, uh, I hate to say, uh, the left, uh, in the name of progress and in the name of, of progression, uh, has time and time again, instead of coming up with a better argument against something, the, the, the solution has been assign a dirty label and silence my dissenter. And I really think that, um, as opposed to the right, where the right, until recently, like woke is a dirty label now. Um, but uh, I think they've kind of learned from the left and, you know, okay, we can, we can, we can call you guys names too. Um, but when, when, the Christian right wanted to recapture after the wildness of the 60s and the 70s. And, and Ronald Reagan championed the religious right. But he did that. He did not do that by demonizing so much as by talking about what the greatness of America should be. And, and his brand of conservatism lasted two generations. Right. Um um, when after Monaco, this is what propelled GW, because after the, the, the Monica Lewinsky thing, the idea that principled conservative leadership matters, uh, is what propelled, uh, it's what destroyed Al Gore in the, in the 2000 election. And, as opposed to the left, if you look over that same period of time, uh, if you opposed gay marriage, you, you, you did not oppose gay marriage because you were, um, religiously fervent. You opposed gay marriage because you were homophobic, right? If you opposed, uh, if you opposed reparations, right? Because you, believed in uh, individualism as opposed to identity politics. Well, no, that, that's not the reason why. The reason why is because you're a racist, right? 
if you opposed uh, gender equality, it's not because you rejected you, you could you were allowed to reject it on his face. Clearly, it's because you hate women. And, you, and, and so time and time again, it was this label assignment and an attempt to silence as opposed to come up with a better argument. And uh, um, I, 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 as I've seen that over the decades, I just really think that you should be able to say what you think. You should be able to think what you think without fear of the, that kind of retribution and, and uh, ostracization. I look at I look at uh, well, the first thing I say is uh, I've always been stunned by how um, the word progressive has been used and the word even the word progress, uh, but no one has ever asked the question, "What are we progressing toward?" <laughs> but that's that's a, that's a different story <laughs> altogether. It, it's that just, is a great you know what that is a great question. It's such an that empty, is a great question. Empty word the way that they use it. We're progressives, yeah, but what that's not. Sometimes you need to stand still before you go forward because you don't know where yeah. you're headed. There's a cliff. Uh, but I, I digress. I digress. I, okay. Because I think we're on that cliff with many, many things we're doing in society, what we're calling it right. progress. Um, when it comes to the, the Strom Thurmond um, and uh, his views on, um, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, uh, uh, Trent Lott and his views on Strom Thurmond. Trent Lott. Um, we teach our children something that is extremely valuable. Um, and we teach them that when it comes to going out of the world, when it comes to relating and talking and communicating to other people, um, don't say something you don't mean is, is, is something that we should, we should teach our children. Be aware that you're going to have to be responsible for what you say. And, and think about it very clearly before you say it. Um, I'm a big fan of this, this, the, the Trinity of event. Uh, and it's thoughts, speech, and actions. I believe that they are so completely one thing <laughs> that they're inseparable. Yeah. If you think it, you're going to speak it. And if you speak it, you're going to do it. You're going to behave that way. When you have a constituency whom you tell that you do not believe in certain ideas, principles, uh, thoughts, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm running for governor of all people who only turn left. Okay. Right. And then, I, and then I, you know, I'm on video talking to my best friend at the bar about how much, man, you know what? Really? I just admire those people who turn right. And that video comes out. I have not been responsible for my speech. Even if I didn't know I was being recorded, that almost makes it worse. Because why is it that my private conversation I'm professing my admiration for the opposite group, you know, to the one that I claim to represent. And I believe that those people, it comes right back to censorship. 
I believe that those people have a right to know that I said that if I said it. I believe I owe them an explanation for why I said it and under the conditions I said it. And they have the right to say, do we forgive that or not? Um, okay. It's, we've had so much experience in our country of politicians saying one thing and doing another. And it doesn't matter what party it is. It doesn't matter at all. And so anytime, you know, you've got to know if that's your job, you're in politics. You've got to know you better keep what you say consistent with what you think. You better be responsible. Like, and the easiest way to do that is, well, don't lie. Because that's what scares people is when your private speech is different than your public speech. Yeah, but that's why lying? it's private speech. But that, that's why it's private speech, right? So I, I am, you know, in my, in my professional life, right? Um, I am responsible for developing other people, right? That that's a one of my responsibilities. Now, privately, I may have zero ability or zero confidence in someone's ability to do something that they they themselves want to do. Right? That's my thought. But professionally, I'm going to support that person just like I would support everybody else because that's my job. That's my job. Right? If you if you if your goal is to uh uh is to become a um you know, you're an hourly person and your your stated goal is to become a member of management and that's that's where you want to go and I personally may not have confidence in your ability to do it based upon what I've seen. But I'm going to support you professionally because that's my job. That's my job to do. Whether I personally think that that you can do it or not, I, I don't think that. I don't think that. I, I I think what you're asking for is the other way around. For me to say that I have a, a confidence and ability in this person, that would be the lie. That's not true. I don't have confidence and ability personally. That's not what I think personally, but professionally. Yes. If this is what you want to do, let's, let's sit down. I'll mentor you. We'll put a plan together and I'll, I'll work with you for as long as you want this to be your goal because that's my job. And, and, and I will do that. And I, and I don't think that I don't think that I should have to pretend to, I don't think I should have to pretend to see this person a different way. Because it's not polite. I, I think, I think that's not exactly the same though. I think that that is not exactly the same. It's what you're doing is that there's a person that's a candidate for something. They're, they want to move up. They want to better themselves. They want to, and whether you believe that they have the ability or not, yeah, you have to keep the door open for them and try and, you know, uh, Give them the opportunity to prove you wrong, right? That's, that's what that is. That's what that job entails. However, as citizens of the United States, we hire them for their job and their job is to represent us. So what happens in corporate America? What happens in the workplace when 
the employer realizes that there is a lack of information, maybe a lack of knowledge. There's some, for some reason, that person might not be able to perform that job. And it's, it's really, you know, evident. Well, it's kind of, and I'm trying to bring it to where it's more, a more similar uh, comparison because we hire representatives and senators based on them earnestly believing in what we believe we we align with i no i i, I don't do that i i'm not interested in their personal beliefs well, no it's i'm what, interested what i'm saying is you can't separate that because if i tell you i hate beats <laughs> not drinks okay. beats on the plate right right i hate beats right right and i tell you that privately but i run on a platform of I love beats. And so all the beat people out there believe that I love beats. And someone could say, yeah, but you would be, you, you still, when you're out there, you're doing a great job representing, uh, the beat people. You do. You don't, you don't even falter. You do a great job. But what our politicians do is not that. That's not what they do. And that's not what Trent Lott did. Um, and when you hear something that says, Okay. Now, and it doesn't matter which side hears it, whether it's the beat people or the other people who catch the fact that you said, I really, I, I, I hate beats. <laughs> okay. I just, they're disgusting. Privately, I really don't like them. Those people then have a reason to say that, hmm, you know, every conversation and every deal and every compromise in every situation that happens in, in Congress and Senate is not public. Many of these things are in private conversations and they are in, and I don't want anyone who would say in private that, look, I really am, I'm, or I'm, or in this case, in the case of Lott and Thurman, I really do like this guy and we need more people like him. Wait a minute, because if I voted for you based on principles that had nothing to, that were the opposite of what the person you're saying you admire stood for, then you you owe us an explanation, in the least. I, I man, wow. Uh, otherwise, how can you I, represent? I, I, I cannot. As a boss, I you're not a so, representative. As a, as a manager, you're not a representative of that. So as as a representative, mm-hmm. as as a representative, but I but I am I, I I am a representative, right? Because because in my role, right, I'm I I am the link between the hourly associate and senior manager. But you're Trent right? Lott. So you're not so the, if, the if hourly I, associate. If, right? No, no, no. Exactly. I'm Trent Lott. Okay. So if 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 a let, let's let's pick another subject. So if a representative of Congress, okay, hates corn, okay, they've never liked corn. Corn is disgusting from them. But they're from Iowa. They're from Iowa. It's in their best interest to represent the interests of corn because that's the people that he represents. Whether he personally likes corn is irrelevant. Can he professionally 
represent the interest of who he's there to represent. And I think that's my point. His Trent Lott's personal distaste or likeness of black people is irrelevant. Has absolutely nothing to do with his ability to support policy. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to himself be a integrationist in order to perform effectively uh, to support those efforts. He should be allowed to have his own personal feelings. Agreed. That's that's my point. I I, I this this idea this notion. And, and, and something that you said that I do agree with. If you don't love corn, don't say you love corn. Don't say that because that's not true. Right? Say that I love, say what is true. Right? I'm from the state of Iowa and I know how important corn is to my state and I'm going to fight to protect corn and promote corn as vigorously as I can if you elect me to office. But if there's a, a a video clip of me in a restaurant telling a waiter, I don't, I please do not serve me corn. I can't stand it. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm disingenuous. And now that my integrity needs to be called into question now because I have a personal opinion about something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I, I, part of why I think we see politicians, I, <laughs> Hillary Clinton, was in South Carolina in 2016 and pulled a bottle of hot sauce out of her purse. That was an event. It, it, it was so egregious. That <laughs> woman don't carry, I don't carry around hot sauce. Is that pandering? Like that. Is that, what do they call that? <laughs> I, 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 I don't do that. But her team felt like it was necessary for her to demonstrate this sense of camaraderie with this particular demographic and it's that is more disingenuous to me based on stereotyping <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible but it's because people want to if you want your politicians to hold this uh this standard i, I just don't think that's fair i don't think i i, I don't care whether or not trent lott Loved Strom Thurmond's policies or not. I don't care about that. I care about what did he do professionally because that's what he was hired to do. I'm not hiring him to be a true believer in, in, uh, uh, civil rights. I'm hiring him to support civil rights legally. And did he do that? And that's the only thing that should matter. This is the same argument I made for Bill Clinton. Same argument I made for uh, uh, the George H W George W Bush. If whatever their personal uh, feelings are, I don't think should be used. I mean, because how hard would it be? Could you do your job? Yeah, I hit, I hit my table. <laughs> I got too. I got too animated. <laughs> Could you do your job effectively? If you had to 100% have a personal belief and connection in everything that you're asked to do, could you do that? Are there times where you don't personally agree with it, but you know what? I'm going to tell the company line, this is what I need to do, and when we're going to do it. I 
I think it comes back to the question that you asked but with, a, with a twist. It's, could you do your job to the absolute best of your ability every time without fail? Okay. If you did not believe in anything that your job stood for and its goals were. Right. I think that we understand enough about human beings and how they operate to know that if you are anti what you say you stand, what you're going to help me do, you might not perform to the best of your ability. And it might even be subconscious. Yeah, that's fair. But that's fair. I I say who I'll take it to the, the, one really big representative, you know, the, the, the penultimate representative in a democracy, your lawyer. <laughs> you know, right. that's the, that is the yes. ultimate representative. Yes. Like your butt is on the line and you want them to find every, you want them to search every nook and cranny of the law and precedent and to represent you and get you out of that mess. Now, there is a, right that every citizen of this country has that if they do not feel that their lawyer for some reason is representing them appropriately or if they feel that they have a conflict of interest or if they feel that it, it shouldn't even necessarily sometimes it's not even the, the person themselves it will be the judge who will say not but the person has the right to say well you know you are a you know, an award-winning lawyer and you fought for the rights of people and you've done this for for 20 years. But uh, what I just realized is that you fought for the people that I do not agree with and you fought for the side that I'm asking you to represent me against. It's not exactly the same thing as what we're saying with Trent Lott and, and uh, Strong Farmer, but it's it's the same right. It's saying, if you represent me, I have the right to say, I don't want you to represent me anymore because I believe you will not be able to, you have conflict of interest. If you truly believe what you said, then you have a personal conflict of interest. And I could even go any further and say, out of respect for you. That's fair. Out of respect for you. That's fair. I don't want you to represent me in this because... You're going to have to go against your own personal beliefs every day. And I don't think that's good for you. And I don't think it's going to serve our purpose as best as it could in the long run. Now, I do see what you're saying because this is misused. (laughs) So let me say that. I'll I'll say that right now. It's so misused. Um, it's, it's kind of like, oh my, let's switch from politics to football for this one. Sure. So my favorite former coach who I did not like personally at all, no one that I ever knew that met him said he was a good person. They all said he was kind of a jerk. (laughs) And it was the guy who used to coach at V. Okay, that's all I'll say, right? And he did some things in his private time that made people just go, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you're – you're married, first of all. Like you're, like right, really, right, right. Okay. Now, does that mean that he cannot get the absolute best out of his players? That he is not right. a magnificent coach. That he is not right. performing the 
what I asked him to represent. You know, what I said I wanted was the best coach possible. Should he lose his job for, should a, should a, foot, a sport coach lose their job for infidelity? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm with Charles Barkley on that. Like, um, I'm, I'm not a role model. <laughs> you know? Right, and, right. Uh, right. You know, that gentleman, I don't hope I haven't said his name, uh, just, you know, but he's not a role model. Right. You he's a coach. And he's a human right. being and he makes mistakes, but over here on what he does best, did he make a mistake with that? No. Does he have track records of really making mistakes with that? No. So anything in that career should be able to keep going as long as his failings don't in any way touch what he's been hired to do, what he's been put there for. Now, there are those, there are people who will Bring the morality into it. He's just not a good person, so we don't. Well, okay. Now, show me one. Yes, they show me the. They tried. Person. They tried that with Donald Trump, right? right. They tried. Show that. me the perfect. They tried person. that argument with Donald Trump. Yeah. I, I and I said to many people, uh-huh. "You are hating Donald Trump because, yeah, I know he dog whistled the, the white supremacists and all. Yes, he did. I mean, everyone. Okay, we can all acknowledge that, but." You're going against him against your own best interest in a much bigger, much more current, much more prominent way. Because he's saying, yeah, yeah, I agree. You should get something. And a lot of people don't didn't want to get something. And he said, oh, if you don't want that something, you shouldn't have to. You're responsible for right. yourself. You don't, hey, whatever happens, here's what I think. But you shouldn't have to. Again, what is the... It should be based on what that person or entity is representing you about. If you look at everything else in their lives, you're always going to be able to find something you don't agree with. And that's not cause for uh, dismissing them from their position. But if the minute they're not representing what you need, the minute that their effect could, based on their beliefs, could be negative toward you, you have a right to say I don't know if I want this person representing me anymore. And I just take it all the way back yeah, to so, your lawyer. Right? Yeah, yeah. This, this, this cancel culture, right, um, is part and parcel to the argument that, that you're making. On its, on its face, you're absolutely right. I, I think it's a fair critique to say, you know, like, if this is not something that you really believe, are you the best person to champion us? And you don't really believe it. Like, so I, I think that's a fair argument. Um, but the things that have been used to call into question someone's belief, uh, has really gotten out of hand. It's right? not always, I mean, not always right. You know, to, to find some obscure statement from 16 years ago. That was, you know, somebody stuck a microphone under a bathroom stall and, and, you know, recorded you making some crazy statement. And you have that isolated statement and there's nothing in your history to suggest that that is your position over the last 16 years. And now the statement resurfaces after 16 years and all of a sudden you are now painted with this broad brush 
uh, based on the confines of, of that statement to me is is absolutely ridiculous. And and I I understand why some younger people may feel that way because they haven't lived long enough to say something stupid and then live to, <laughs> to grow beyond that, that statement. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I can, I can appreciate that, but anybody who's, you know, maybe 45 or older, uh, please don't hold me to anything that I might've said in 97, please. Uh, Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I said a few things that I just absolutely do not agree with anymore. <laughs> That long ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, so yeah. I, I so I, I I guess you know bringing it back around to, to to free speech. If 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 we want to live in a society where you are free to speak, then that means that we have to protect someone's uh, right to. Be unpopular, to be callous, even right. Uh, one of one of my favorite people is Jordan Peterson, and uh, one of Jordan Peterson's one of my favorite quotes from him is: "In order to be able to think, you have to be willing to risk being offensive." Right. If you're going to agree with what's already there, right. you don't need to think, right? Because it's already been decided. And if you're going to have an original thought. You run the risk of running counter to the status quo. And I think that needs to be protected. It really, really does. And, and so a, a man in, in, uh, was it uh, Missouri who I don't want to, I don't want to bake a cake for, uh, a gay wedding because that causes me strife personally and i understand why that's unpopular and and i agree with the ultimate supreme court decision that if you're going to be public facing you don't have the right to pick and choose who you're going to serve out of the public right but on an individual level i understand or i agree with his right to express that feeling that's how that's what he thought and it doesn't mean that he hates all gay people. It doesn't mean any of that. Agreed. All that means is that I don't feel comfortable with this because of what I believe. And if we don't protect that, we're gonna we're gonna run the risk of turning into this monolith where we're all dressing the same and looking the same and talking the same and thinking the same and acting the same. And and I, I don't I, I don't think that would be American at all. Yeah, we're all we're all gonna lose if if we, if we allow things to get to that point. I, and there's options to use. That's a great example because there, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking in terms of, look, I don't want to do anything that I, that really, uh, goes completely against my personal morals and integrity. But at the same time, uh oh, I make these cakes. I have a bakery and I serve the public. So that's my livelihood. And, and, and you reach a crossroads at that point. But I think the answer is already available. And it's one that has been used for, you know, a century. <clears throat> I'm no longer a public baker. There you go. 
you come into my shop, you fill out an application, a name, you, you know, whatever. And the application can be, what's your name? What's your, and tell me a little bit about yourself. So, right. <laughs> and in that thing, you ask directly, do you support, you know, you ask it, you know, right. you're not belligerent, you don't, ideally, you don't cause a, a, a mess just with the question itself. Um, but you find out what you need to find out and you become a private person of that. Right. And in many cases in history, your business might even explode when you become that because now you represent to a lot of people what they represent and like to put forward in a way. You know what? I wasn't going to eat cake today, but you know, <laughs> I might go some right. cupcakes you know, <laughs> or something. Or so, I mean, there's options right. and that's a good part of America. And a lot of times that's been crapped on. It's been used as, you know, an argument that racism is rampant, but it's one of those chicken or the egg things. Like if I have a private club and I'm allowed to admit whoever I want into that club, right? That's my right. So that's not racism that. to me. That's, that's not racism. Then to me. that is what the club is. It does not right. mean that the person who runs it is race. Like if I started a club and I said, look, this is a book reading club and it is for uh, black males between 18 and 30 years old only. And a white person wanted to get into the club and I said, look, sir, I'm sorry. You know, I, you can, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the list of all the books that we read, but you can't become a member of the club because it's for 18 or 30 year old black men. It's like, no one should be able to assume that I hate white people because I started that group. Right. <laughs> and that shouldn't, right. should not. It will right. in this society. But that's fine because they have free speech too. And I have the ability to deny it. And then it comes to censorship. Right back to what we're talking about. Because if I am censored in my ability to respond to that. Oh exactly. Oh boy. Because that's exactly. the thing. It's like, you shouldn't be able to say that exactly. you don't like... um Controversy, this, the, one of the more controversial topics going on in America. You shouldn't be able to say that you agree with the people who oppose it. Oh my gosh. We don't want to hear that type of, that's hate speech. It's this. It's, it's, it's giving the names you were talking about. Right. There's no justification for why that name even applies, but it, you know, it's just like homophobia. I, no. many have never understood that yet because there's, there's no fear. The, but anyway, Fear. Right, um, right, right. You cannot take away my ability to respond to it, but you also can't take away the ability of someone to make a YouTube channel or, or a whatever channel and say, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy, Brian, because, you know, he has this club and he won't let, you know, 18 to 30 year old white right. guys in. <laughs> that's racist, dog. That's right. Man. Okay. That's right. I would not want that person censored at all. But I would also want to be able to put my video up that is answering to that. Right. And then, like you said earlier, I do believe, and this is big for me, one of the reasons that they use to push censorship on us is they really have this underlying thing that everybody's not, they're not right, quite catching, but it's there. There's this underlying assumption that we are stupid. That people are too exactly. dumb. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> got too animated. Right, exactly. <laughs> I did it again. Okay. This underlying, uh, you know, idea that we are not, the people are not smart enough to make their own decisions. 
I had someone very near and dear to me uh, chide me for sharing my views on some controversial topics. It was just one side. It was not the side of uh, big social media corporations. I'll put it that way. And this right. person chided me deeply, made it seem like I was going to be the cause of some horrible things to people that I love and care about. And my reply was, I give them more credit than that. I know right. that they hear the op- opposition to my opinion every day. They see it, hear it, they're immersed in it. They are drowning it in the pseudo data that says that they should go one way. How am I going to destroy their lives or, or cause them harm by just giving them five sentences that say, maybe you should consider another way of looking at it? This, 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 and this is a conversation for another day, Mm. but this is the danger of the algorithm driven echo chamber that we find ourselves in, right? Because when you hear nothing but the same sentiment again and again and again, it is very easy to assume that that is the position, right? It's very easy to assume that. And, And then it becomes, well, how can anybody else think anything different when all you hear is one viewpoint? And, um, no, I, I, I agree with you totally. It's, it's that ability to have your voice and to enter into public discourse as well that keeps us from being this tyrannical, uh, uh, society and, and, and having all thought and influence funneled into, uh, a, a certain narrative. Um, if you can believe it, man, it has been an hour. Um, this has been a really, 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 really good discussion. Yep, I think so. I think so. We've talked. So, about so if, if you had to, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, if you had to sum it up, man, what, where, where, where do you find yourself with, with this, this idea of, you know, censorship, censorship, and uh, versus First Amendment? Uh, I think protection? that it is an extremely dangerous idea to allow people to silence uh, anyone else, others. I think that it is completely, uh, it's something that we already understand through generation after generation of experience. If if you're a a fan of history, that when people are silenced and they are not allowed to give their viewpoint, when when one side is allowed free reign and, Dissenting voices, I think is what they're called. You know, right. Conscientious objectors, all of, when they are denied speech, it doesn't take a history PhD to see how many negative things happen when that occurs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, while I, while I appreciate the intent to want to protect uh, vulnerable groups, while, while I appreciate that, um, I would be in favor of empowering the vulnerable group to amplify their voice as opposed to attempting to silence uh, the the group that is opposing them. And uh, I, I just, I, I like you said earlier, I think that's a, a very, very dangerous, slippery slope. And um, 
that cliff may be a, a lot closer than any of us realize if uh, if if we're not careful. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a good note, man. Um, great content today. Thank you so much, and uh, look forward to doing this again next week. If you are listening to uh, this podcast and you are interested in joining uh, the conversation, we would love to have you. And I don't mean uh, through messages. We want to speak to you live uh, directly and have you be an actual part uh, of the conversation. So please reach out to us at the Fourth Branch uh, Podcast, uh, uh, Fourth Branch Podcast, gmail.com. Or you can also uh, find us on Facebook. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Uh, you got anything else, man, for the people? Nope. I would just say to people, keep thinking for yourself. Don't be afraid to think for yourself. Absolutely. Get information and make up your own mind. All right. Thanks so much, man. Thank you.